Hey folks, and welcome to the first edition of our Mentor Cruise podcast. We have a very exciting topic prepared for you today. And since we're super fresh on all major streaming platforms, be sure to leave us a good review and tell your friends. Big tech is as booming as ever, and it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. Even during the COVID pandemic, the fan companies, that's Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, with Microsoft being like an honorary member, they've grown their revenue by 50% um, during that year. And even while every other business was shutting down, they were hiring fast. It's a very popular place to be. After all, you get to work with some of the smartest people in the world on some of the most exciting problems, and you get a nice bit of compensation while doing that. As a quick example, as a software development engineer at the level two at Amazon, you're making around $240,000 per year. And as a software development engineer three, that's the senior level, you're making around $330,000 per year. Of course, it's not entirely straightforward to get one of those jobs. The interview cycles are extremely long and out of over 3 million applications that are submitted to Google each year, they only hire about 20,000 people. And we're seeing that on Mentor Cruise as well. People book a lot of interview practice with Fang mentors and they're looking to navigate those long, long interview cycles to get into those companies. We're talking to Dylan Israel today, who was kind enough to lend us some of his time to talk about his way into Fang and Amazon specifically, and what it took for him as a college dropout and self-taught engineer to make it into that big industry. So we're here with Dylan who's self-taught and got his way into Amazon to tell us a little bit more about what it takes to get into a big tech company and also what the process is like to interview for one of these. Dylan is not only an excellent software engineer, but also a conference speaker, podcaster, YouTuber, and of course, a, a top mentor on Mentor Cruise with a smooth five stars from over 30 mentees. Without further ado, Dylan, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name's Dylan Israel. I have had quite a few side projects, YouTube and podcasting being one of them. I put those on hold to do more mentoring and build courses on platforms like LinkedIn Learning. One of the ones that's kind of really cool that I'm passionate about, a little sneak peek. I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about it, but I'm actually doing the TypeScript section of W3Schools right now, which is nice. really fun. Just as somebody who like it's weird to say grew up on W3 schools, but somebody who like started doing like tutorials on there and learning and still to this day for like basic stuff going, oh, like, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. But yeah, right now I work at Amazon as a front end engineer too on a project called Explore, which is sort of a, if you go to amazon.com slash explore, you can check it out for some shameless promo, but really just to check out what it is I'm doing where we are sort of digitizing travel and experiences. It's a WebRTC real-time streaming app. So it's a pretty fun thing, different than like building your traditional sort of e-commerce platform or component library that I've done in the past. That's super cool. Especially the gateway with We3 schools is like part of internet history, right? It's like that, that one yeah. site that everyone went to when they started coding. Those guys are great. They've been great to work with and I do a lot of video tutorials. This is the first time I've done text tutorials, so it has its own challenges, but it's um it's uh, it's always it's always rewarding. It's one of the things I like about mentoring, it's rewarding to help other people. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, one of the cool things about like speaking at conferences is you get to actually meet people 
and they sort of come up to you and um, they're like, hey, like, I remember you doing that coding tutorial in your closet and it really helped me. And like, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's all, all fun. Humble beginnings. What, what was kind of the transition that you had from, you know, going to, to pick up coding to obviously then working at Amazon to doing all those different things in, in content creation and, and education? Did you just kind of ease into that or was it a, a decision that you took? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the from like day one to Amazon, it's about a four year process. Yeah. Right? Sometimes people, exp- you know, think it took four years to be an overnight success <laughs> sort of thing. It's like one of those types of things where for me, I was I was doing the traditional college path. And for many years, I was sort of half assing it. I really was unhappy. It wasn't it wasn't an environment I thrived in. But like, that's, that's the thing that you get hammered in, at least in my family is like, you go to college or else you'll be, you know, drug addict on the streets. I don't know like what the thing is, but like, that's the thing you go to college. And so I just never, it never worked for me for whatever reason. And finally, I was like, you know what, like, I can be a software engineer on my own. I dropped out, I took some job where I was working, you know, 50 hours a week at a, as a technology trainer that was doing like it's kind of a cross between a business analyst and a technical writer. And I just studied four hours on the weekdays and like 12 on a Saturday and a Sunday, just knocking out courses on Code Academy, free Code Camp. And sort of the way YouTube started was I just wanted an interesting side project that would catch people's eyes. And then also that maybe I could make some money in the best case scenario. And that's kind of how I got started with YouTube. I started throwing it out there and like it did exactly that. Employers were really like, oh, cool. Like they got to see a little bit of me, got to see that I was growing and, you know, eventually took a job about 3000 miles away from California to Florida, where I am now and have just been grinding and doing all these things ever since. Wow. Amazing. But what's your system for, I guess, accountability, but also maybe energy when you're, when you're saying that you that you studied for for hours on end and you're, you're kind of grinding on side projects and everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really am a believer of hitting rock bottoms. I think sometimes people hit a rock bottom and they keep digging and that's that's unfortunate. Like you, it's it's okay to like hit a bottom and be like, that's unacceptable. And there's a couple of times where my girlfriend at the time and I were like grocery shopping and we didn't have enough money for food and like basic essentials like underwear i remember was one thing where i was like wearing that and that was something that may sound silly but it really impacted me where i was really frustrated that like this was a scenario in my life i I was dealing with i was sleeping on on floors and like uh, doing this and sleeping on couches and my mother was like bringing me groceries because i just couldn't do it all like even though i was working full time and i wasn't living this like extravagant lifestyle of like these are just things where like I, i generally think at the time where I was just upset with what was going on. I didn't get my first dev job until I was about 28. And I did start making like a full-time transition and dedicated it till I was about 26, 27. I just wasn't happy with that. And I allowed that to fuel me to a degree. And it's like, you know, sometimes I, I jokingly have said like on, on a live stream, like, you know, poverty and hunger are great motivators, but that they, they were for me. I knew I could do better than what I was doing. And, you know, I, I wanted to do better. And the sort of going all in was really kind of a mentality as well as like, hey, I'm dropping out of school. My parents are not going to be happy about this. It's not a matter of if I'm going to be an engineer, it's a matter of when, because I'm putting in the time, the effort, the energy. I'm tired. I'm cranky. I'm studying whether I want to or not. One step forward mentality every day. And 
I just didn't think there's any other alternatives. So going back to what I was doing before wasn't working. I was miserable. And like, at least I'll be miserable here doing it my own way. That's amazing. Now, now that you're, you know, you've reached those goals and you are an engineer and you are successful, where, where do you get the motivation now? You know, it's, it's very strange that as you progress in your career, you get paid more to do less. It feels like, like, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know if you get better and it's easier to do or if the, the expectations are just less and you do, I, I don't know. It's very strange. So like, I, I find that my work is less stressful than at the start. And that might just be that I'm, I'm, I'm faster. I'm, you know, these, these things, you have years of experience. And the other thing is you've kind of find what works for you. So, you know, one thing I think people are really uncomfortable doing is quitting things that aren't working for them. We have a very negative culture, at, at least in, in America, about quitting. Like, you don't want to be a quitter. I actually encourage you to quit things. I think too often we hold on to things that aren't good for us. And what it also stops us from doing is trying things that are new and stifling things. And people stay in toxic dynamics because they don't want to be a quitter. So like some things I, I mentioned earlier is like I did YouTube for five years and, uh, you know, podcasts for about three. And I stopped those because it's like, okay, that served a point in time. And now I'm moving on to other things that are like going to progress me in other ways rather than continuing doing something that I'm no longer passionate about or that maybe I I'm more passionate about other things. Cause there is only so much time uh, in the week and you have to juggle your time. So like, my girlfriend and I have been dating for uh, a year and I've never let like mentoring interfere with that or coding interfere with that. So I have like healthy boundaries of when I start something, when I stop something and that, you know, it's not going to impact our date nights or family events or things like that so that I can sort of enjoy the best of both worlds, which leaves me refreshed to go and continue the stuff outside of work because you're working, you know, 40, 45 hours a week and then you're doing another 20 plus on top of it inside projects. And to be able to do that, you have to enjoy it. So you were motivated and studied hard to become an engineer. And obviously you did that. But when was the idea coming up of, I'm going to go for one of the big five or the big six in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always been there. Obviously, I think I'm very career focused and working very hard on, on a lot of side projects, not only because I enjoy them, but, you know, I generally want to progress my career and like grow and learn. And I'm very like, basic like software engineer type that people <laughs> look for in that in that way part of it might have been like a chip on the shoulder of sort of being self-taught is you know there's there's one comment i remember from youtube that i like taking these negative moments and motivating them using them to motivate me and i remember this one comment and thank you to whoever said it to me even though it wasn't meant in to be support but it's something along the lines of even garbage men can call themselves sanitation engineers and you'll never, you know, you'll never be one. I was like, all right. And I always, I always remember that of being like, and basically the comment was like, Hey, self-taught engineers will never be engineers. Something like that. And so, you know, part of it was like maybe a chip on my shoulder being like, listen, I can work anywhere and I'll prove it to you. And like going to sort of a big four, big, you know, big tech companies is kind of, you know, there's not, too many places above fang it's just it's just kind of you know that's kind of you're kind of kind of there and so part of it was that part of it's just basic stuff like money's great like i, I recommend everyone work at a, a big tech company it's good for the bank account good opportunities good growth good everything and 
I just want to work with some of the best engineers in the world. I tend to believe that they exist in places where they, you know, at, at big tech companies. And I can tell you that from my experience at Amazon is that I, I've worked with very high quality engineers and it's made me better because of it. I, I feel like big tech are such booming companies that you can't really go wrong with them, especially now. Like if we have times like COVID, you're super safe with a company like that. And obviously you always get to work on the cutting edge um, of things and stuff that gets used by millions uh, around the world, which is, which is amazing. What was kind of your start once you, you had that ambition or, or you kind of really took that goal into your sights? What was the process like? Did you apply right away? Did you go and like study specifically for the, the interviews? When I finally got accepted, I had about three and a half or four years of experience. And I started around, I spent about six months around two years. And I had, I interviewed at, at I want to say Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft. I nice. bombed out <laughs> each one of those interviews. And I, you know, I didn't put in the time and energy into the things that I still don't think are all that important, which is like data structures and algorithms. And so that was kind of my first pass. And I sort of got a realization of what it would actually take to grow. And so I kind of challenged myself a bit there, which is oftentimes what I do is I go and I challenge myself and I fail and I, you know, I take L's and then, you know, you pick yourself up, you learn from it and you, you move forward. And, you know, I have a couple of colleagues who've interviewed once and failed and never have tried it again. Like, it's <laughs> just like, Oh, I interviewed at Google. I bombed out. And now I'm terrified of ever doing it again which it kind of goes to the quitting thing is like, it's okay to fail and it's okay to quit things and you just use them as learning experiences and grow. And, um, you know, for as many L's as I have taken in my dating life, taking them in professionally is much easier. I assure you, like it's, it's, you know, you built some, you built some character that way, but it was actually a really, a rough year because of COVID I had like, it's just the, the, the months leading up to getting like, the Amazon job, which will be a year this month. I had like a 10 year relationship end and then COVID was going crazy. And like, it was just me all the way across the country. So it was very like a rough year. It's very depressed and just like dealing with a whole bunch of mental health issues. And so towards the end of the year, I started feeling better. I, I you know, gone through this whole, like, you know, you go, you go through this sort of breakup montage where you're eating healthy or you're exercising and all that sort of stuff and i started studying and you know had a recruiter reach out to me and finally interviewed and passed i always want to be able to point to a couple things or like big wins for the year and it was it was looking like a big whole l like i i was sort of there wasn't any big financial windfalls and there wasn't any big career moves and so like you know, the Amazon thing came through and that was sort of the big check mark at the end of the year. About a month before that recruiter reached out, I was getting back into the rhythm. I sort of dropped everything. I was sort of figuring out, sort of just getting into the right mental space, right health space. I dropped like 30 pounds and just was like, everything's going in a, a good direction. And I started studying and recruiter reached out and I said, sure let's go like why not what do i got to lose and then two weeks later i interviewed and then two weeks after that had the job there's this concern right that in order to get into big tech you really need to study for the interview process and not necessarily be a great engineer right you need to study 
all the, the whiteboard exercises, but maybe your background isn't as important, at least to, to pass the, the technical issues. Did you experience that in the same way? Yeah, I mean, I think every every interview process is slightly different. There's definitely some theoretical aspects of the Amazon interview process, but also a little bit more front-end focused. The front-end role at Amazon has only existed for about three years. And so traditionally, they've only had a software development engineer role. And so they sort of spun off this other one because of how important it is. Now, I think it's it's kind of interesting because I think the uh, a lot of times what ends up happening is the practical and like the side projects and work experience that kind of brings that them to the table to be interested in you and then that goes sort of out the window and then you get tested on this other thing so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense at a lot of these like interview process because like yeah we're interested in you because of this all right here's data structures and algorithms which is kind of how it goes you you said that your side projects and basically your portfolio brought you to the table. Was that really what kind of made you stand out from the masses or was it like a top-notch experience and and resume? I, I think especially when you're going from a non-big tech company to big tech, like that has to be it. There's so many you know engineers that they're interested in, but you also have to pass the interview, right? So there's like, you, there's a, hey, we want somebody who brings something different to the team and it's going to make the team better. And pretty much all these big tech companies are going to throw you through, you know, a four to six hour interview loop. For the recruiters to reach out, they have to see like, oh, hey, like maybe this person knows what they're doing and is very you know, passionate and engineer and, you know, let's give them a shot. Right. So I, I was at a big company, but I was at a big tech company. I was working at PricewaterhouseCooper, which is one of the sort of big four auditors. And they do a bunch of consulting and stuff like that. But they're by no means a tech company. And so, you know, it. I guess that's relevant. It's relevant resume experience. But the thing that really gets people interested in me, at least, is all the stuff I do outside of work. Because everyone, everyone they're going to be interviewing with has work experience. So you have to take it at that baseline of, okay, mm -hmm. like, everyone's going to be a software engineer that they're looking at, for the most part. Unless you're coming out of, a, you know, your first dev job for out of a CS program, all big tech's looking at other software engineers. So how am I different? than other engineers well i build courses i do youtube i have podcasts i spoke at conferences you know how how are these things that support that and then they're like great we found our sort of diamond in the rough type of guy right it's almost a little bit like personal branding but just in, instead of calling it that name it's you know doing great work kind of in public yeah yeah personal branding is kind of a cringe term right. <laughs> but it is you know there's some truth to it right you know, for instance, with when it comes to mentoring, when I get like a very nice review, I'll share it on, you know, LinkedIn and some of my social media platform because one, I think it's cool and it like makes me look good to my bosses and things like right. that. But two, <laughs> it you know, it gets people to that are looking for that sort of support to know like, oh, here here's somebody who is highly rated and like, you know, that people respect or enjoy or at least the people who have signed up for me have said like oh hey like i got my value like I, i'll right. give i'll give an example of like i shared this literally this morning it seems like he got some value so investing in mentorship with dylan was one of the best decisions i made for my career this year his candid feedback seasoned advice and actual steps were invaluable i really can't imagine where i would be if i had not worked with him 
In a crowded, often toxic industry, Dylan is a lighthouse to guide you through the storms. That last comment is why I shared it. I thought that was <laughs> That's a great poetic. one, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's awesome. But it's like those little things that you can share in that sort of personal branding space that make you stand out, right? Make you be like, hey, we're looking for engineers who mentor and do these things and will make our team better. And like here you have experience and people are quite literally reviewing you on having a positive experience and growth. So, you know, if you take everyone at a baseline of like, everyone's going to be an engineer. Well, what are you, how are you different? What do you bring to the table? And that's where that extra time outside of work comes. So everyone's working 40 hours a week and you're working 60, then you're going to, you're going to pass them up really quickly. Mm. Especially, especially when you're coming from that, I guess, untraditional background, right? And you feel like you need to maybe not make up for some of that, not, not make up for the experience, but maybe make up for, you know, the actual degree that kind of convinces the first set of hiring managers. It really makes sense to, to have your, yourself out there. Yeah, absolutely. And whenever I do something, I always look at it from a lens of, you know, how can I get more than sort of a one-to-one -one value, right? So mm -hmm. with mentoring, right, it's like not only am I doing good, is it promoting my career, but I'm also making money. So like to me, that's a, a one to three value. And so I always look at it from that lens. It's like, you know, is there some way I can financially achieve this so that like I, I enjoy doing this because every every minute I'm taking outside of my life is a minute I'm not spending with friends and family or, you know, enjoying it in, in you know a traditional sense. And then like, is it progressing my career? Because that's one of my sort of goals. And, you know, am I doing good, right? Do I feel good about what am I doing? So I, I don't really do anything anymore unless <laughs> I feel like it's going to have a positive yeah. impact. Like just just going to work and like doing just going doing things outside of work, you have to really have the motivation. And those are the things that motivate me to keep doing it. What else does it take to, to pass the interview? I, I reckon there's a lot more steps with other hiring managers that are looking for, for other things than just algorithms. Yeah, I, I think you have to be able to be confident and clearly articulate your expertise. And, you know, I, I, so often when I'm working with mentees, it, it, I can see that most of them are quite brilliant individuals that are actually very skilled. It's just that they don't really believe it themselves and that they are, you know, maybe they're just tired and exhausted and beat down from a, a negative work environment or whatever it is. But, you know, if you don't, believe in your own skill set and no one's gonna you know people are gonna pick up on that and they're not gonna want to hire you like if you don't think you can do the job then right. they're not gonna think you can do the job and be able to have those communication skills i i consider myself i consider myself an introvert for the most part which is kind of weird when you like put videos of yourself on the internet but that's a whole separate <laughs> <laughs> separate conversation um but you have to be able to sell yourself. You have to be able to, you know, um, answer questions, interact. You know, so much of any job is not only the technical part. Do people perceive you're going to be easy to work with, that you're going to be fun to work with, that, you know, that they're going to ask you a question and you're not just going to grunt back at them, right? So you have to, right. I don't think you need to be, you know, an extrovert by any sense of the imagination, but you have to be able to communicate your experience and be confident that you can for some of those behavioral questions. I, I'm of the belief that big tech companies are making a slight tweak to how they're hiring from what, I, what I've seen and what I've been told. And I think that's going to become more valuable over time. 
I guess it's a skill or maybe more of a soft skill of, of selling yourself and marketing yourself. Is that something that comes with experience or is that something people can actually practice for the same way that they would practice for an algorithm interview, for example? Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. Um, you know, one book I recommend reading quite a bit is The Clean Coder, which is, you know, about mentality as a software engineer. And, you know, and I think that is just as important. It's like, what is your mentality, right? Are you going in there? Being like, yo, like I'm the guy, like you just need to figure it out, and you're able to sort of point to examples, or are you going in there nervous and anxious? When I first started interviewing, I would throw up before my interviews, like when I first started my Damn. my job interviews, and that's how nervous I was. Over time, you know, it gets better, and I I think part of part of just getting comfortable is just doing it enough that you stop caring, you know. I think I think sort of having a level of indifference makes it much easier to be successful or at least feign confidence. But I think some of it's just practice. Some of it's getting comfortable. There's a sort of the the level of confidence versus arrogance, right? But I, I don't think people go hard enough in the sort of confidence range that they're they're worried about being arrogant, which I, I don't think is really all that feasible for most people. It's like you know, you want to show up, you want to be confident, but I think people, the, the threshold is much higher than people think. It kind of ties back into the talk that we had at the beginning of the recording, which is that, you know, failing is in in many cultures, but in, in the US and definitely in Europe as well, is, is unacceptable. And maybe that fear of failing is what what's really kind of the big pressure point, right, in, in these interviews. I'll be the first one to tell you that Failing an interview and failing anything sucks. Like, it's not fun. I won't tell you it's fun or easy. But I will tell you that, you know, sort of, it's like those cringe memes you see where the path to success is in a solid line. It's sort of ups and downs. And like, you know, that that is 100% true. You know, I, if you look at objectively, I had five Fang interviews before I got my first Fang job, right? Yeah. And that's not a fun process to go through <laughs> by any means, right? That's probably 30 hours of just interviews that didn't amount to much of anything other than a learning experience. It absolutely is worth it. And it absolutely has made me a better engineer and has had a positive impact on my career trajectory and, and growth and all this sort of stuff that comes along with that. And, you know, it's, I, I fail all the time. Now I'm, I'm trying not to fail as much as I learn from these things and do, you know, repeat my mistakes. And, you know, every time I would go through one of these big tech interviews and I would take an L, I'd go and be like, okay, why did I do that? And be like, okay, well, you know, maybe I needed to understand closures better because that was the question. I usually have a pretty good idea of what it was that I didn't do great on. You know, I go and I try to fill that gap in and then, you know, maybe it's enough, maybe it's not, maybe there's other things, but you just, you know, keep on learning from it and, doing better and then eventually if you're if you're stubborn enough and you are putting enough hard work into it you'll you'll accomplish what it is you're trying to do i have no doubt about that that's a, a super inspiring thing about it right that you you need to just kind of work it and, and grind it out but in the end hopefully it's worth it do you think it, it was worth uh, all the work of going through that yeah i, I, I absolutely it was challenging. It was frustrating at times. And it's, you know, sort of been a, a three and a half year journey to get there with about a, 
a year and a half of dedicated focus, the growth that I've had as an engineer, the opportunities that will come as a result of it, sort of the the compensation, the networking and future things. I think working at any big tech company is a great thing for anyone's career. And if you're a career-driven individual, I, I would highly recommend it. Unless you have probably a traditional CS background and you're studying a lot of data structures, algorithms, or maybe just like competitive programming, that a lot of times that's a, a harder transition because these aren't the day-to-day things that I've ever done. Maybe there are some front-end jobs out there that are doing that. I don't think there are, but that is kind of the name of the game for most orgs. It seems like you're you're on top of everything. You have your side projects, which are working out great. You're a, you're a top mentor. You're at one of the biggest companies in the world in a, in a very successful position. So what's next for you? That's an interesting question. Right now, it's just saving money and buying properties, which it's about leveraging current success. I'm building courses and I'm growing at work. I'm doing a lot of studying right now to become a top 1% JavaScript engineer. So I'm doing mm-hmm. you know hundreds of hours of courses. It's, it's kind of a balance between doing stuff that's going to pay off in the immediate future, like the W3Schools TypeScript stuff and building courses for LinkedIn Learning. So I'm always going to have something like that going on and then growing my skill set as an engineer that will have major payoffs. I would say for what's next for me is really to get to that next level of engineer. You know, if you go and look at like levels.fyi, you'll see that every organization, every big tech organization has their own sort of, it's not just like junior, mid, senior my goal is really to sort of get to that next level every couple of years to get to like the final levels. Like people usually have like 30 years of work experience right now. I'm kind of right now I'm, I'm fairly in terms of years of experience where I need to be about five, you know, going on five years mm-hmm. at sort of uh, L five range. So the next would be L six, at least at Amazon. sort of the next tier up and that's, that's kind of where I want to go. I'm sort of, doing that in a couple different ways outside of work, but eventually you have to uh, play the game at work and sort of go through the hoops there. But my my goal really is just keep getting better and keep progressing my career. I love that. The growth the growth never stops. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where the at the moment the sort of final boss looks so overwhelming and intimidating and you're like this milestone, but like the human condition is a very powerful thing where you know, you say, oh, if I just do X, Y, and Z and I tackle this, I'll be happy or, you know, I'll, you know, that'll be it. And then you go and tackle it. And it was just so epic at the time, but now it's just something in the rear window and you look at what's next and you're like, oh, no, that's actually what I want. And then you just sort of keep on, you know, <laughs> you keep one up in yourself, which is a dangerous yet fun uh, way to live life, I guess, for me anyhow. And so just that constant progression. And uh, sometimes it's hard. Because, you, you know, um, one, th- one thing I've, I've talked to, like, my significant other about is, like, it's hard for me to be content. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, like, uh, content's kind of like a, a dirty word where you can enjoy what you have and what you're doing. I kind of feel like once you sort of are content, then you're at a point where you've said enough is enough. And I, I don't know. I don't. I feel like there's quite a bit of runway to go. So I'm not, I'm not quite content yet. Then we're, we're looking forward to seeing what you're going to do uh, in the next few years and which levels you're going to reach. I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time and telling us a little bit more about your journey into the big tech industry and your, your career journey. 
Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you.